the Money Podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. This week, a brief history of protests in football. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. I'm Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, published by the University of Nebraska Press, and that's available at your favorite bookseller, as well as the University of Nebraska Press website, and of course, Amazon.com. 2020 has truly been an unpredictable year. Already, the pandemic has shortened, or in some cases, postponed the college football season. Additionally, social issues are at the top of the list in the national discussion. And in the past few days, teams have boycotted NBA and Major League Baseball games and NFL practices have been canceled. And as I'm writing the script for this right now, I see that the NHL is joining in the boycotts. This might make you wonder if this has ever happened before in sports history. We've already answered the question is yes when it comes to a pandemic affecting college football. We covered that in an earlier episode called Pandemic Football that you can listen to if you haven't yet, or you can check out the transcription and play it from the website, thegamebeforethemoney.com. To quickly refresh your memory, if you have heard it, the 1918 college football season was at least shortened for pretty much every team. And some schools like Missouri and West Virginia didn't play a single game that year. How boycotts, social issues, and national events have impacted pro and college football is a much broader topic with many various examples throughout history. I want to make clear that the scope of this podcast isn't political. I had hoped to make that clear in the Richard Nixon, George Allen episode, but it's really important to know history. And I love to point out that football history often parallels American history. National events have canceled pro and college football games in the past and even an entire season for a very well-known NFL team. This will surprise a lot of you, but the Rams stepped out of the 1943 season entirely because of World War II. That's another story for another day that we'll cover. In 1963, the American Football League postponed games after President Kennedy's death. That's also a subject we'll cover on a future episode and on the gamebeforethemoney.com. Of course, thankfully, we're not in a global conflict. The country is not mourning the loss of a young president. But the first pro game that comes to mind that parallels today's situation is the AFL All-Star game after the 1964 season. That game was scheduled to be played in New Orleans, but was moved to Houston. Some players encountered racism in New Orleans in the days leading up to the game. All the players met after those incidents, and both black and white players prepared to boycott the game. As a result, the game was moved to Houston, 
And again, this is a shorter episode to provide a few examples in football history that coincide with what's happening today. I'm going to reach out to a couple of players about that AFL All-Star game and hopefully have them on a future episode that we can examine that more in depth. And the same is true for the other two events we'll discuss. There are two incidents in college football that immediately popped into my mind this week. One happened in 1969 and the other in 1970. And I'm going to quickly drop in a note about a college football protest that happened in 2015 at the University of Missouri. You might remember that players threatened to boycott the rest of the season if racism wasn't addressed. The university president resigned and the players finished out the season. On the game before the money, we tend to dig back further, but I did post about that on the blog when it happened. And you can find that on the gamebeforethemoney.com. Plus, I recently shared that blog post on the Game Before the Money Facebook page. Let's rewind back to 1969 now. 1969 was the 100th anniversary of college football. The Wyoming Cowboys had an excellent football team at the time. They played in the Sugar Bowl just two years before and had finished in the AP Top 20 for three years straight. Wyoming started the 1969 season with four straight wins. A home game against BYU landed next on the Cowboys' schedule. A student group planned a protest before the BYU game because the Mormon religion did not allow blacks to become priests. The 14 African-American players on Wyoming's football roster wanted to wear black armbands during the game to support the protest. According to summaries of player accounts that I've read, the players set up a meeting with their coach to ask if it was okay. The players wore the armbands they were asking to wear during the game to the meeting. Coach Lloyd Eaton arrived at the meeting. He told the players there was no reason to have a discussion. As of that point, they were all off scholarship and kicked off the team. The players were completely stunned. A press release stated that the players violated a coaching staff rule. The governor of Wyoming said that the players refused to play without black armbands. There are a lot of layers to the story. So again, I plan to dig deeper into this on a future episode and hopefully get in touch with at least one of the players. Wyoming beat BYU and the next home football game for Wyoming was against San Jose State. Here's where things get even more interesting. Many Wyoming fans showed up wearing armbands that said Eaton to support the Wyoming football coach. He was very popular there at the time. The San Jose State team wore armbands to support the Wyoming players that had been kicked off of the team. Wyoming also beat San Jose State 
to improve to 6-0 on the season, but Wyoming's football team tumbled after that. They lost the remaining four games of the season, didn't play in a bowl game, and then the team finished 1-9 in 1970, and Coach Lloyd Eaton was out the door. Fritz Shermer took over as head coach. In the spring of 1970, nine African-American players from the Syracuse football team organized a boycott of spring practice. Although there were nine players, the group became known as the Syracuse Eight. Media reports at the time heavily pressed the story that the players demanded at least one black assistant coach be hired. But that's not nearly the full story. It's true the players wanted an African-American assistant to be hired. They made several points, however, and the point about the assistant coach was merely one. The players also stated they weren't given adequate medical care for injuries and that they were denied academic opportunities that white players received. There were also additional concerns raised. In September of 1970, it was announced that the nine players were suspended from the team. Syracuse University's chancellor ordered a committee to investigate the allegations. That report was released in December of 1970. The committee's near 40-page statement said that, quote, Racism in the Syracuse University Athletic Department is real and chronic. It also added that it was largely unintentional. The strongly worded report called for the players to be reinstated to the team, reimbursed a year of athletic eligibility, and called the act of suspending them conduct unbefitting of a university. Although all of this is quite remarkable, for a long time the story of the Syracuse 8 seemed to have been forgotten. In the past several years, however, the university has honored the players and the story of the Syracuse 8 seems to have been revived to an extent. I've already reached out to a couple of the players involved and hope to have a full podcast episode on the Syracuse 8 in the future as well. We still have yet to see how the current national conversation might affect both the 2020 college football season and the upcoming NFL season. There will be some changes on the University of Texas campus after members of the football team said they would not participate in recruiting events or donor-related events unless certain commitments were made by the university. Some of the requests the players made were to change the names of some buildings on campus and to replace the school song, The Eyes of Texas, as well as lifting the commitment of players to sing the song. The Eyes of Texas does have a history that few people knew about before the statement that players made on Twitter. And afterwards, the team and the university came to an agreement. The interim president at the University of Texas announced some changes and the situation was resolved. The most prominent change for football fans is that the Longhorns playing field will be renamed after Heisman Trophy winners Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. And so the combination of how that situation resolved, plus how the protest at Missouri was resolved in 2015, shows that there have been a lot of changes since 1969 and 1970. 
for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. Don't forget we have future episodes with Packers legend Boyd Dowler, Broncos legend Carl Mecklenburg, and an awesome three-part series on three games that changed the NFL with the amazing Upton Bell. Transcriptions of podcasts are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and are powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more. Thank you.